Okay, it's time to do another one of these podcasts, which we didn't do last week, but that's okay. We're going to do it this week, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I am dealing with, just like you are, you know, what are the topics we want to discuss? We've been talking about the... Um, first of all, hey, Tanya, are you there? Are you with me? Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. I just want to make sure you're in the room. Ha, because it's an invisible room, though, buddy, but you and I, never mind. I'm just weird. Anyway, we were talking about different topics and things to discuss, and I was um, expressing a question as to whether or not we're going over the same things again and again, and I just had an idea, and I thought we'd try it out. For fun, this day, this will be the randomized topic we don't know or haven't even clued in to what we're going to talk about today. I was... um, if I can find it, because I just lost what I was doing. There's a couple of things out there on, on the app stores and whatnot about how to start conversations and stuff like that. And um, <clears throat> there's two of them that looked interesting to me. And I figured what we could do is we could just kind of go through and um, ask questions randomly. But, you know, hey, the first one I want to bring up is not a question, but you have a um, – there's actually a subject matter on this one app. I don't know what's it called. It's called uh, Make Talk. And so, but something's important. You had a birthday last week. You did. You did. Yep. And I so, did. I've got a question right off the top that's a birthday question. What was the greatest lesson you learned this past year? Oh my gosh. That's interesting. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to think about that one a little bit. Um,. I just always feel like I'm kind of learning the same things. So as far as one giant thing, I I guess the main thing I think I'm trying to learn right now is to see church kind of completely differently, which that's maybe not personal, but it is personal to me because I've always uh, had sort of an attitude, you know, particular. And God's trying to teach me, I think, to see... His presence, the church, the the things of the church, kind of different than than it used to be. So that's interesting and exciting and different. But it's it's causing me some peace in some areas about what we're choosing to do now at home versus uh, able to have a building or anything for our church plant. But also the fact that we really are just raising up the next generation. It gives me some hope that the next kind of uh, phase in American church life will be more from the home out instead of from a church building into the home. So, I don't know. Maybe that's something. (laughs) Sorry for it to be kind of, I don't know, it's spiritual without being real spiritual, I guess. But It doesn't have to be spiritual. I mean, Mm -hmm. some of the questions in here are kind of silly. Like, can you recall your 13th birthday? Or your 21st birthday. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, too long ago. I remember my five-year my five year birthday. That's the only one that stands out. Well, I remember my 16th, too. 16th? What was significant about your 16th birthday? It was. Those are the two birthdays I remember, mainly because they were a surprise. Ah. And the 16th one was shared with a friend of mine whose birthday is the 21st, and mine's the 24th. And it was a real special because it was both her mom and my mom that kind of threw it and they pulled off a surprise and it was it was a fun time it was all all the friends we would like to have been there that were kind of I don't know it was just like for a high school girl it was it was fun it was the the guys that were her brother's friends as well as my friends as well as our you know tennis buddies and stuff and there was the girls that were all kind of mutual friends so it was just a it was a pleasant time my mom also made me a, a quilt based on all their hand signatures from that it was kind of neat I don't know she wouldn't brag about the seamstressness of it but it was a really special memory for me and I still have it that's cool and my five-year-old, same thing. I remember Aunt Helen's house and getting off the bus, I want to say, which is weird because it was in Cherokee Pass, which was in a normal bus route. So I'm not real sure how that ended up happening, but it was a surprise in the back of Aunt Helen's house, and it was just a very vivid memory to me. I don't know if there's a, per- a particular picture somewhere that I 
and I remember I got a watch for my birthday too. You got a watch for your birthday? That would your affection for watches. Maybe so. You got three watches this birthday, or three renewed watches this birthday, because (laughs) I finally bought batteries for a pile of watches. (laughs) So yeah, um, there's another one here. What's one new thing you did this past year? Um, Or, or you can choose. I'll give you a choice. Or what did you laugh really hard about this last year? Oh my goodness! So the one new thing I did because I do not remember <laughs> I one no particular laugh. thing about <laughs> laughing. Although I laugh at my family quite often. Ha ha! You laugh with your family. And you can answer this one too. What is one new thing? Uh, for me, it was going back to work. I guess within this last year. Ah, uh, it's true. Not brand new, but it's a new situation. It's different than what we've experienced. Yeah. There's a lot of good birthday questions here and a lot of silly ones. But what about you? What was the new thing you did this last year? Just for the heck of it, because you didn't new get a birthday. New thing that I did this last year? I don't feel like anything's new anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, a lot of the new stuff that we did this year was been, you know, surrounding some of the stuff Makai has been doing. You know, for me, I've been trying to figure out a whole new concept. I mean, same stuff we've done, you know, as far as like marketing and stuff like that, but helping her get her music stuff done um, I mean I know music but I know nothing about business and music stuff so getting to know people in that industry has been kind of a curious it's been the, the most interestingly different thing but you know same concepts but in a different application does that make sense so that's been interesting for me um, it's been kind of fun I've, I've already I've said that's the shiny thing for me this year that's like when I get in a weird headspace you know, I can think about that for a few minutes and and or do something else it's been kind of fun um, You're always learning new computer things. I'm always learning something yeah, new on the computer, but it seems like now that's even become the same new old thing with the new way of doing it, it feels like. Um, what did you laugh really hard about? Um, I don't know. There's there's nothing that I've... I mean, these are hard questions. This I, I don't know that yeah, I like these generators. We don't have any concepts. you got to have a memory. That's <laughs> it. Here, why don't you pick something off of this and ask me a question. And so there's just there's categories. You can pick from a category, and then you can pick a question and they're just the cards and go from it and so what have you got Hmm. what are your questions there I mean your categories (laughs) this is a good one if you had to sum up the whole human species in three words what would that be the whole human species supposed to be a deep thought a deep thought (laughs) I can do it in one word broken um uh, that's, that sounds very hopeless, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> help wanted. Um, <laughs> well, maybe along those I'm lines. I'm trying to think of that. Because in three words, to, it's hard to get it yeah, down. But broken, help Hopelessly wanted. Hopelessly needing. Yeah. yeah. There um, you go. What's the most uplifting thing happening in the world right now? That's kind of an interesting question. The most uplifting thing happening in the world right now. Hmm. These are very. Uh, There's a lot of good things. I feel like maybe this was not the best idea after all. Let's see here. <laughs> generic questions, 101. I don't. I mean, to me, the most uplifting thing happening in the world right now is whenever I see someone investing in another person's life, and as a result of that, there's change happening. That person is moving from being someone who's selfish to someone who's centered on serving other people, and so you know that's that's what inspires so can you me. Think of a specific. Thing? Well, I can think of specific people, but I don't think it's good to... I don't want to talk about specific people. Um, no, um, but you have a particular person in mind. Do I? I got several particular people in mind. Um, oh, okay. So, um, who I'm seeing change a little at a time. I mean, when you can see any um, anybody, especially from our point of, view, because we, point of view, because you and I invest in other people to help them make those changes, to move from being selfish people... Um, or uh, selfish is a harsh term. I think that's the that's the right term, but it sounds really much more hopeless. Like I said, broken, help wanted kind of people. I think the broken nature of hum- who we are as human beings is that we're um, a broken human being is a human being who's concerned about preservation of self, who's concerned about taking care of himself and not taking care of others, not really aware of or concerned about the people around him, so self focused that they can't see help around them. So whenever I see people moving outside of their their own self-preservation moving to help to help the larger 
group community that's encouraging to me so rather than just complain about it protest about it or talk about it when i see someone not say um complain about a situation but actually engage it and get involved in how they can make a change that's always encouraging to me rather than seeing someone just kind of whine whine and complain about it because there's a whole lot of that going on in the world a lot of people who can point out problems not a whole lot of people who are willing to do anything about it and then recognize that that problem begins with personal change first i have to change before i can make a change and something else so that's that's one positive thing. And I see that happening in the world around me. Yeah. Do you see that? I mean. I look for it and it definitely is little spurts, but I think it's always a challenge because I don't, I never feel like I'm giving enough of myself away, even though there's lots of opportunities to. So it's more that, that I challenge myself with it. I don't look for it in others as, as much, but you're right. I, I mean, in our little gang that we're, kind of trying to grow and disciple around here we see them taking on some of those roles and attempting to grow up in my mind is what that means because maturity or um starting to realize what actual love is is starting to think of someone beside themselves and and feel like they can influence that well Um, i mean the desired result is to see people i mean if is to see people go from to, to loving other people to be concerned about their community and and so many of people are not they're more concerned about they're concerned about their community so far as it affects them yeah. does that make sense you know hey <laughs> i oh, want to say you're making too true. much noise you're bugging me is <laughs> it's one of those uh, that's not concerned about your community that's concerned about you're bugging me you're it's, it's self-oriented it's very and uh, versus someone who is like hey you know i want to i don't know what i was going to say with that one but it's who's concerned about for example why is that person making a lot of noise is it because they're trying to improve as a human or improving a skill or improving a goal right and and how can i help that or if it's you know or if it's disturbing the piece because someone's making too much noise you know That's well how really can i you, huh? well, it just popped into my head as a most current as a recent example um you know it's it's just a matter of i don't know it's a good bad it's a good question it's a, it's a it may not be that it's that's maybe too specific of an example because there's times where people just need to you know not continue talking or the sentence gets weirder so i'm going to stop talking on that sentence because i'm not sure where to go with it at this point (laughs) i thought of a question earlier that i felt like we should discuss you didn't act like you were that interested because you wanted to do this but i don't know if maybe it's something to branch off of um how we got where we are now like who who we are based on the things in our past who what is it that steers us to become what we are now or or to get us to this place at this time you know lots of different things could come into that equation but specifically i was thinking of the way we were brought up the things that were taught to us young the things that were influenced and influenced us to um to go a direction that caused us to meet or us to make decisions about where we are on a on the physical planet as well as where we are in a headspace you know what trains us up that kind of thing um i was thinking of our kids trying to raise their kids and how excuse me how the different things that they participate in or the ways they teach or the things they have in their home how those all affect the way um, the way we think about the world, the way we see the world, the way we make decisions, the way um, we interact with others, that kind of thing. Okay, so what's the question specifically, though? Are you saying who is it that's influenced what us? What are some stories? What are some things that you can think of? Yeah, and some maybe <coughs> stories from your younger years that made an impact on you that caused you to think the way you do now or caused you to see the world the way you do now or maybe helped you make decisions that brought you to this place now. Well, this goes kind of what I was saying a minute ago, though. The, um, where do you you find hope in the world is when I see people changing and, and you know, or shaping is, is what you're asking. The question is what shaped you to become who you are? Is that what you're getting at in essence? Sure. Well, let me ask that more specifically because, I mean, I could go through childhood 
young adulthood. I mean, ad- adolescence, you know, young adulthood, and go through, you know, so, I mean, I could go through and ask you that question, you know, how did your grandfather, Charlie, influence and shape you um, significantly when you were, he held a, he held a deep place of respect in you when I first met you, I mean, and, and mm-hmm. he passed away, so what was it about him? That influenced you and, and encouraged that, that okay, you remember you most. Because I'll come I back to it because I haven't thought of anyone yet, but I thought of someone for you, so I'm blaming you first. I get that, you know, hey, throwing it back at you. Serve, return. Okay. Um, so my grandpa was a, a, a man of great faith, but he also saw life kind of in a. Um, you do what you need to do, and then you enjoy the rest of it, and God orchestrates it all is what it kind of felt like to me I think because my mother had such a a deep sense of truth and peace and you know I was pretty close to her I'm first born so she influenced a lot of my thinking I think so to see her daddy as that and to understand him as a man who who loved God was willing to even I mean, he was a preacher at one time or another, not necessarily a pastor, but he did preach um, often when they would ask him to. But it was more that he was a man of integrity that lived his life honest and open and true, you know, true to the sense of he was a farmer, so he had to go on whatever whatever the uh, weather brought or whatever. So he always saw that as God and, and believed that to be in God's hands. Also, um, a musician. He loved music. He played the harmonica and he played, um, or sang. And I don't remember if he played any other instruments, actually. I'm just mom. Um, influenced me a lot because his life was, was music. It wasn't that he was a great musician, but he sang through life. That was kind of how you saw him. You know, he, he believed, I think, he influenced my mom a lot in that and in, in the sense that music itself is it's a gift from God it's something that is given to us to help us enjoy this life even through the difficult times I think so his influence is distant but very much a part of me I guess I, in, in the sense that I didn't you know How much you? past my teenage years did I get to live near him I mean he passed away when I was when we were gone um, you and I were together when he passed. But away. yeah, but I mean, we were gone from home. I didn't get to live. Let me ask a follow-up. What is one thing about him that you wish you were more like him? Hmm. That's good because I'm actually more like my dad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a lot less like. I would love to be like Grandpa, but okay. Maybe what are five things um, about <laughs> him you'd be like? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, the things I see in my mom are what I see reflected of him. I'm probably a lot more also like my grandma who was my mom's mom. A little more um, life is serious. Life, we need to do what we need to Make do. Make every minute count. Yeah, well. Redeem the time. Do the things that need to be done and yep. everybody hush. We got we got work to do kind of thing, you know. I'm a little bit more that way which I've tried to chill out and I think I married. I think you're a little bit more like my grandpa probably was or a little more. Um, okay. So things like, you know, to see to see life as as weighted, but the weight falls heavier on God's end than it does on ours. We're to do what we're to do, what job we've been given, but to let the burden fall on Him. I think I'd like to see life a little bit more that way. I, I try to, but I don't. I don't do it well. I don't think. I'd like to um, sing my way through life, like I said about Him. I wish I had. I have music in my heart and in my soul, but it's a little more serious, mm-hmm. I guess. I always saw Grandpa's just really enjoying music. Like, for instance, I remember um, his harmonica. The songs I remember they played that 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 stand out to me were train songs <laughs> and I songs that, that were more kind of poetic about life, but not necessarily spiritual. Just they probably all had a little bit of a spiritual meaning because you know music like that tended to. But they were they were lighthearted, I guess. But stuff he liked i don't know that's the way i see it and the way i maybe so you I wish you were a little more lighthearted and, and a little more sure um you, so wait a minute so let me let me but on the other hand it's not, I, don't want to, I don't want to simplify it to the lighthearted thing um 
it was easier for him to take on life and then just let it go let let things go into god's hands is that kind of what i'm hearing i feel like that's how i saw him yeah or i feel like that's personality wise a little bit do what you can and don't worry about the rest to take it in an old time yeah exactly but do your due diligence he was very hard worker diligent man what's your favorite memory but i think i don't see him as carrying the world on his shoulders although he could have because there was a lot of things burdens that he had you know could have borne but i didn't feel like he he didn't bear them alone you know he didn't allow it to get him down or get him whatever he even (laughs) even ran for county assessor and Frederictown did some political stuff, in other words. So was it a lot of things he didn't try? Okay, no, I'm going to ask you fact, one more question about him, and then I'll let you leave it alone, and you can ask me another question. What was your favorite memory of Grandpa? Of him? Um, I think, uh, well, I have an answer for that, but one one favorite memory I have is not actually not of him, but about him, which I thought is kind of fancy, because I don't think I ever saw... Uh, the extent of Grandpa's talents as far as uh, orchards and different types of uh, growing things. He, but he was very good at that. And that husbandry or whatever that's called. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was reported to me by another dear man who would have been a s- pseudo-grandpa for me um, that he at once had five apples grafted on dr- five different types of apples grafted the into one apple tree. tree. Uh, I thought that was so neat. Anyway, and that would always stand in my mind as something that typifies him, but doesn't. It's not something you would have heard him brag about. It, it's just well, he wasn't a very did, you know? talkative individual, was he? Oh, he talked. Yeah, I mean. Well, I didn't know him until he was much older. So, because um, I came into the family, you know, about marriage age. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, and I don't know that I was so young. I didn't have a lot of good, big conversations with them. But see, you have that though. You had I mean, grandparents on both sides. Difference. I mean, your dad's. Grandma and Grandpa were both alive well into their 90s, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, family, when it comes well, to family. he was only 88, I think. He passed away when he was 88. Okay. And then my grandma's died younger. He was married three times. The last one I didn't know very well. That's Charlie. I'm talking about your dad's mom and dad. Yeah, they were li- married. I mean, they were, yes. They married forever. The 90s, and they married lived 73 years at least. And died in the same week, right? Yeah. That was weird. I mean, that was cool. Kind of, mm. you know. Um, but the bet, I was going to go back to the memory of grandpa the best memory that really is very vivid in my mind and it's probably because like mama said it's either a picture or a recording or whatever I, and i had a recording and i still do of um sitting at the table with him when i had gotten a uh, one of those little recorders that you push the two buttons and <laughs> push record on the cassette tape and uh grandpa played his his um harmonica, harmonica for me and we sang a couple songs together and he sang a couple of, um Recorded him. I just remember sitting at the table with him with doing that. I, I mean, I was really young. Five or eight, maybe somewhere around in there. How, what was his favorite song? But Grandma was already gone, maybe. so. He said train songs. Wasn't there one particular or something that he played a lot Well, of. he did. He imitated a train. Yeah, itself. I remember hearing remember recordings that? of that. We have, we have like audio. And there was whatever. a, I don't know. I can still hear his voice in my mind because we have got that recording. So, But it was like, it was a number, train number something. <laughs> I'll have to look that one up and find 49 out. See, well, the reason I say that is you had both grandparents, and you're in general. I mean, you're coming up on your family reunion that I I never experienced anything to the level of what your family. I mean, you people in Missouri, you know, just <laughs> are connected forever. I think Maybe really rural close to Arkansas. communities are a little bit more. Yeah, being uh, a city boy, my my grandpa, my both my grandfather, but grandfather's on both sides. One died when he was in his 60s. I was three. I have a picture of me riding on his shoulders, hmm. um, musician, um, and that's why my mother and my bro- my um, uncle both are um, and were musicians. Um, the uh, my um, on the other side, my dad's side, he was just all I remember of Papa Hugh is what we used to call him was kind of a snarky cranky old dude i mean there wasn't a whole lot to it <laughs> my dad had one brother so he's just like me myself and my brother just two boys in a family and they never really connected as adults very well that, that so that family was dis- disconnected and disjointed um uh and my mother's side of the family was more connected we had a family reunion every single year christmas the Pittman family reunion and we had the family drunk we had the family <laughs> Well, variant deviancies throughout the family that was 
part of the tongue in cheek. It was it was like some of the shows we got on TV these days. You know, <laughs> I mean, Arrested Development doesn't surprise me when I look at shows like that because I'm going. I think we've had at least some, and that's what makes good comedy is some things that are true. And you know, so you've got more of a. <laughs> that's actually a good question. What TV show most characterizes your family type? <laughs> you were the Waltons. Um, <laughs> who would remember the Waltons? Yeah, right. That's not true. Know, you though, weren't the Waltons. No, we weren't because. The father in that home was not a believer, so that was like the biggest thing that stood out to me in that home. We were closer to Little House on the Prairie, although we didn't even live that way either. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. For some reason, Modern Family came to my mind, but I don't even watch that show, so that's not true either. <laughs> but um, well, so well, anyway, the other thing all I'm going to say is I can't of. say that I have a lot of influence from grandparents that shaped who I was. It's almost like I was a. I, I mean, I was adopted, so you know yeah. that's well. A and factor, what's funny about you're asking me about what things I would like to be. Uh, yeah, what if do you I wish could be like most grandpa. like your grandma. The, the thing that mom has said quite a bit, and we've talked about a little bit, is his adventurous spirit. He's kind of a pioneer in his own right, and I explained about the apple things. Um, he They would travel every year to Washington State, where we live now, ironically. Yakima. Um, yeah, to that Yakima Valley area, um, to just to pick cherries and apples and kind of like... Uh, That's 30 hours the, out of your yeah. way when there's not an interstate system. Kind of like, what, what do they call that? Uh, sharecroppers or share... I forget yeah. what it's called. Sharecropping or, no, um, no. migrant Migrant, workers. yeah. Kind of that idea. Um, and it was just because Grandpa wanted to. Just It was just adventure, I think. They they really literally vacation. branched out and did different types. And I'm sure it was some about educational and some about adventure and some about uh, people they've met and, you know, a lot of different combined things. But what I was thinking was, you know, I have kind of that in me, even though I don't necessarily think that I... Um, and personality-wise, like him, there's a lot of that has kind of come through m- wanting to be a missionary, wanting to do things that were kind of out of the norm and, and go a little further out from the the family um, area, you know, of South Missouri and whatever, and some different things about that, I guess, are just, I'm just saying, blood-wise, must be kind of in me. I mean, yeah. it, it's things that God has put in our system. I, I even think further back than that, my grandpa's uh, parents and then my grandmother's parents, too, my blood grandmother, um, are both, they were both pillars of the faith of that area, too. So, so much of a heritage comes down through the bloodlines, you know, but it's yep. because you're trained up this way. So in your in your sense, you kind of got a. I this is my reading kind of take on your situation. You tell me who I am. You didn't really have well because of the separation of of being adopted. Even though you never really questioned that and it wasn't a problem, you still don't have that sense of heritage. That so I think that's why the gospel to you gave you a grounding that you needed to give you. A sense of belonging, a, a a place to start, that to build. A heritage. I don't think there was an influence in. I don't. I don't know that. Even if I was naturally born into the family, there would be that. My family doesn't reflect that. I think heritage is something that's given, not necessarily inherently. I mean, I because I mean, I look at your family. You, your sister's got foster kids, and you know, you know, they're they're part of the family. Not not all of it has been successful. Foster kids is sure. tough but, but you know you well i'm saying that being a part of the clan is something that is not necessarily um just born it's something that's given we have children that we've taken sure. into our family that we've given a place as, as hannah likes to say once you come into our family you're a part of our family forever and that's kind of true to our culture so we kind of have our i guess to some degree our own version of first generation heritage i don't disagree with you i think that there's there wasn't a lack of there was a, there's a, definitely a lack of natural it's in your blood to be the part of this family thing but I also think that my mother and my there's just no I, if anything I feel disconnected sometimes from that sense of heritage because I don't think my my mother was big on that I don't think my father or mother either one my dad was from a disconnected family we visited out of duty loved Matri I mean Mama Mott my um, Papa Hugh and Mama Mott loved him when saw him once in a while when we lived in Georgia we didn't see him that often we lived 20 minutes away from them. Um, but my, grand, my my mother's side, we saw them often. Um, but there was just a sense of... There wasn't I don't a wanna, connection. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of like warmth. Yeah. Your family, that's, that's what was weird to me about your family. I mean, it, your family was warm and inviting and a, and a place you wanted to be. Mine never really felt that way. And, and I don't mean that 
disparagingly, there's different kinds of cultures. But for me, there was this need for something warm. It's the same thing I felt with my friend Darren Wise's family. There was that same warmth that ministered to something in me, that met something in me that I needed deeply, um, which maybe, you know, genetic and adoption or personality types. And I just was adopted into a family. I needed to be in a different one. That is, it could be your, it came through when you found Christ and made him your belonging, right? Your deeper it began to I don't want to I mean there was like I said earlier when you first asked the question well there's stages you know there's you know I knew a thing to be true didn't mean I I I intimately connected with it knew capital K and I knew you know I didn't connect connect to it um I mean to some degree that's part of the life journey you know we still are trying to understand what it is to be loved and accepted by sure you know and by each other by our in our faith in in every way um, there's always a new way in which we grow to understand that more richly as we pursue understanding of that. Um, well, it's kind of neat the differences in the way we connected to that, though, to faith, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Because for me, it feels like some, something that was kind of handed down to me, but it was an understanding and, like you're saying, a, a reality. It was a reality that my family lived. Um, I saw it well portrayed in grandpa charlie as well as but and then in my yeah. in my um my dad's home as well my grandma was a, a real woman of faith so it came through in the things she did even though it wasn't as outspoken in that family and it wasn't quite as um uh that was the connections weren't quite as intimate i guess that's the way maybe to put it as t- mom to her family but it was a a grounded part of and I think as you grow up in a rural community, that is a little bit more of a sense of what you get given to you, handed to you, especially in faithful families. And both of our families were um, people of faith, you know. But particularly, there's a, I think the, the deeper part of that is there was a calling in my grandpa's heart that was of a sense of being loved by God, like you said, and because of that wanting to love others or give that away. That was kind of how my f- my mother's family lived. So I think I got that given to me. Um, maybe not even intentionally known as that. And at the same time, that's definitely what my mom would have wanted to pass on to us. And her family, like I said, lived it. So, yeah, there was definitely a sense of connectedness and, and peace that came through knowing Christ. To me, that was what was what was passed on was that it's funny because i'm sitting here listening to you and i'm going yours is richly embedded in your nuclear family heritage and extended family heritage and still that's true today you know all the way down your family reunions are typifying of that you know they're like but me it feels like i just have a series of surrogates um throughout the process (laughs) who kind of i which gives a a matter of faithfulness another angle god the the way way that god came along and made sure that the things were met because my parents practiced faith but they didn't integrate it very well into their daily life i mean we all struggle to integrate at some level but you know right before my father died i think he started he understood that starkly at toward the end i think that happens to some people mm-hmm. um but i don't know i now i feel somehow cheated that you had so much better family still have well no. even even so it's like kind of cool though is your say. family was so good at integrating they even integrated me well and um well, that's cool. you know and well so. what i think you were going to say though or what i feel like is is a poignant whatever uh truth is that god used the different angles to bring us to him yours being like you're saying, kind of through surrogate love, through through acceptance from sources that ministered to you the truth, whether or not it was actually from your nuclear family. Yeah, no, I was joking mostly about being cheated. I was just saying, you know. I well, I just think it's neat. I think that's yeah, it's a kind of a cool to thing to think. Look how <laughs> uh, we both have a heavenly Father who is bigger than our circumstances, and you have your <laughs> battles, but you had a stable yeah. family. I had a stable family ish but <laughs> not in the faith side because i mean the things that drew me to you know what what shaped me so you move to the next level of that right and you go so what's next so family early on shaping you know we've talked about that a little bit but for me it was outside of the family is where i found things that drew me to something deeper 
I saw inconsistency in faith. And there were things about my household, at least when I came of age, that I most of my memories are at, that drove me to not want to emulate the household that I was coming up in. Not because they were terrible people. It was by most comparisons, a pretty decent upbringing. I had the basics. I didn't have a lot of emotional support. Like I said, I, I apparently was more emotionally needy <laughs> than a lot of kids. Because um, my mother seemed to think that the most emotionally supportive things that she could tell me were things like suck it up, <laughs> toughen up, um, get over it. You know, those were, and I'm, I find myself uttering those words now and again to my own children. And I'm going, yeah, not the, <laughs> 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 the, not the message I mean yeah. to pass on. Um, but uh, Well, boys maybe need it once Sometimes boys just need a slap in the back of the head. But my dad, um, you know... Uh, well, anyway, uh, so what, what got my attention was uh, the people in my church, you know, the, the leaders in my church. And I, I think that was, you know, we were faithful attenders. My mom played the piano, so we were there all the time. My dad took me out every other week during football season to go to a Falcons game. Um, but uh, other than that, we were always there. And um, those were good father-son times. I would never, you know, not have those times. But um, I looked up to the, to the youth guy, the guy who was leading youth and who seemed to have this something going on that was interesting to me. And a deeper passion kind of thing? Or a <laughs> well, I... I have a question. I'm curious. In, in, in that disconnect that you kind of saw as a little bit of a struggle trying to figure out what your family, how your family integrated faith at home, whatever, is it possible that it was about the types of discussions and things that you would talk about in your home versus, like, for instance, did they um, maybe lift up the ministry a little bit, but tear some other people down or something. I just wonder what influences are thinking about that. I don't because know. I don't, I don't churchgoers rem- versus, you know, people who are passionate about I think my leaving. family indi- um, was more akin to the uh, Sunday roast kind of thing. You know, <laughs> you have roast the pastor for lunch. <laughs> and, um, and so... I didn't, up until I was of a certain age, I didn't really hear a whole lot coming from the pulpit. I was your typical youth guy. And when I got old enough to break away from my mom and dad, I'd go up in the balcony. I mean, I was thinking about this. What's the largest church you attended before you were 15 as far as regularly were engaged in? You were engaged in like one most of your life, right? Yeah. How big was it? Uh, anywhere from 50 to 100 people probably. Okay, and somewhere. I grew up in a church that was <laughs> But that was similar to my school, which was... Yeah, I mean this is right? a small town, right? I grew up in a church that was a small town. I grew up in a I grew up in a church of right around a thousand people, and it was mm-hmm. the first Baptist church. And so, I mean, my church was was um, choir robes, and mm-hmm. um, I mean, I, I've pastored been a part of small churches where choir robes are still a thing, but <laughs> but I mean, you know, it was it was formal. Organ it felt formal. We had yeah, we had big pipe organ and all this high and stuff, and it was a certain way that you know organ, your, that drew your mother's wrath if you, she thought you were acting in a way that was inappropriate in service, which had more to do with how you sat up or didn't <laughs> than it did anything else. Well, um, I was actually you know reprimanded too to behave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you were just a cut up at church. <laughs> well, I don't mean that, but we had certain behaviors also. <laughs> as well. well, I'm just saying that your culture was much more informal probably than mine to some degree. I mean, there was still a sense of, which is why, and which is kind of funny because now I'm, you know, much less inclined to formality. But, um, <laughs> to your chagrin at times. I was in the middle because it was, there was definitely formal moments. We, in fact, that's what I meant by all the way back to the beginning of this discussion changes my changing my idea on church the ideas of you know children behaving and listening and speaking when spoken to and quiet otherwise that kind of thing those were those were a good setting for church growing up it was building authority and um in their mind you know discipline and correct uh out public behavior i guess whatever but there were things about the home that were completely different, I feel like, when you went to your home versus when I went to my home. So those similar things happened in the church setting of a building that, you know, we went to on Sundays. But when we went home, for me, my mother, if, if she was struggling, she would pray. And if I was struggling, she would pray with me or we would, you know, memorize the Bible uh, scriptures at night. And see, and you know these things? I don't know what my mother did when she struggled. Yeah. I never saw those things. Um, if she and Dad fought, I can re- count on one hand and remember seeing those things, which means they didn't fight in front of us much. Yeah. Um, so. Well, and and my parents fought, but 
I also knew they loved each other and made it through it. Even in the, the tense moments, there was not a a derangement of each other. What's the word I'm trying to say? They didn't tell one They didn't. Down. Yeah, it wasn't a... Devaluing or Devaluing, exactly. So there was struggle, but it was a safe struggle, maybe? Or it was a... It never felt like it was a, at a dangerous point. It, so the security was there, I guess that's what... Anyway, what I'm thinking is... So we, so we had similar behaviors when we were sitting in a church building with parents who, you know, wanted us to behave in, in a certain way or, or in this atmosphere of public setting. Where, but when you went home or when, when we went home, there was a different... Yeah. Uh, there was different approach, behaviors at home. Right. Uh, you, well, you had probably similar behaviors at home. You went home and you saw your parents living out the faith they were challenged to live out. I think faith was a part of who we were, but it, wasn't, it didn't define who we were growing up but i saw something in it or was drawn to something in it that was more defining and so and i I think you asked what did i see in them i think i saw some consistency in them um, those leadership around me that made me inquiring mind wanted to know i was quite curious and so i stuck around and paid attention and and they became the people that i looked up to um so that so much so that you know when i would go and my mom faithfully sent me on youth retreats and youth camps and (laughs) choir because i sang so i was at choir and our church had choir retreats and choir i mean it was every chance we had in this massive church had some program that my mother could shill me off onto (laughs) take me off to which was cool with me um, but because um, there were there were girls there, and uh, <laughs> so I was still. Well, a teenage I wonder boy. also if um, those men in leadership that uh, drew your attention were safe zones for you. They made you feel worthwhile, or gave you some sort of a sense of um, the truth is bigger than just this building or just this. I'm sure. I don't know whatever. that I knew what that was at the time, and I'm still not quite sure how to put my finger on it. I mean, I, I know. Well, I'm trying to kind that's of That's a good analysis. That's a fair analysis. Trying yeah. to learn. Because I, I want to say that the thing I think that my parents did do very well <clears throat> is that when they, when we came home, home was not a separate thing. Like you said, it was a, it, it was a lived faith. So when we, um, were at home we were at rest or at you know different routines and they both worked outside the home and you know worked really hard actually and did whatever but it was never a a tearing down of but it was always a living up to kind of this is who we are christianity you know jesus followers that's who we are not sure not what we do on sundays and i genuinely understood that that was put in me it wasn't um, so I think what I guess, and as a ministry home, you and I know that's kind of a given. But I think ministers' homes struggle a lot to communicate that to kids. There's a lot of ministers' homes who don't get that across very well to their children. Either number one, don't literally put it on them as this is what our home is and that's what you're going to be, or number two, they you know they feel like either they take one extreme or another maybe like they either are too lenient because they think the children are too expected of which is true or they're too rigid because this is what we're expected of we're in this fishbowl there's there's the extremes of that which i think putting together our homes show that it shouldn't be extreme but it definitely should be lived and and believed well our home has been um like any as a blend like you say a blend of our experiences yeah um i was thinking as you were talking i was not not listening I was, <laughs> something came to my mind i was thinking while i was ignoring you um <laughs> how other things there was something that pop, popped into my mind because when it comes to me about i was needing something that my family wasn't giving and so I was mm-hmm. seeing that and being drawn to that. So I, I don't know. Here's this is where I run a risk of thinking out loud and not sure this goes anywhere. But I think that sometimes God has placed in our hearts um, who He's meant for us to be, and so we are waiting or searching, listening, observing until something rings true in us that that's what I identify with. 
Yeah, connects. Uh, I think there's a foundation with that you've got to be careful of because there's lots of things in this world that mm -hmm. cause you to identify mm -hmm. with things that, you know, identity crisis is an issue in our modern culture. <laughs> um, sure. But I mean, things that are pure, things that are that are true to, you know, um, well, the um, that sense that of warmth and f faithfulness that is a character flaw, flaw, <laughs> trait. Um, it's not a flaw, it um, can mm -hmm. be too far. But, you know, to be faithful to me is the most important thing. It always has been. Um, and so I don't give up easy, um, and uh, unless there's exercise involved, um, <laughs> I, there's uh, there's um, well, a, a buffet. I don't give up easy. Yeah. Um, the uh, the um, I know well, <laughs> for uh, me. All I'm saying is uh, there was something that was along the way. People would say things like when Dennis Hansen said, "Have you ever considered being a pastor?" Mm -hmm. Well, no, but it rang true in me. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, so this is a man who's been an influence in my life, who I valued, who wasn't perfect. He let me down at times, um, but still is someone who shaped who I am today. Not family, just a minister that I encountered along life's journey. Mm -hmm. um, and he made a statement at some point in my life that pivoted me and turned me in another direction because it rang true in me, because it was something that was happening in my heart. Yeah, that God was already doing. That was already at work. Through, say, so that was that like supernatural was thing. That was, you yeah, something supernatural that was bigger you. that was going on there. And, and so I think, you know, when I asked the question about Charlie, what's the thing you wish you were more like him about? Mm -hmm. um, there's there's something that rang in you about him that God's saying, Hey, Tanya, this is this is a value. This is of worth. And and you know, yeah. it well, should it should man of fade. passion. I guess he was that's a man of what passion, I mean. and that's true of you. It, it expresses differently through your personality, but. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. That's just, like I said. I'm thinking out loud now. I don't. It's just a no. It, but that's true. And you, you also quote often Ecclesiastes that eternity is bound in up, the heart, bound in the heart of men. So I think eternal purposes, eternal things, draw us to attention. They they draw us. We don't even realize it, but we're. And I think that's the Holy Spirit at work trying to break through whatever. The world, the flesh has put in the way, but to draw us to Himself, and when we're re responsive to that, there must be, you know, that must be something about the way God lets us know that He exists and that He wants to uh, call us His own. He wants to draw us unto Himself, you know. And what I think maybe that's even the key to all of what we're even starting off, kind of sillily asking, "What is life all about?" I mean. To a large degree, that's what we see as threads of God's work in our lives from way, way back early, beginning with our homes and the way we're brought up. But, but even before that, beginning with our the people who've come before us, the fathers, grandfathers, <laughs> great-grandfathers, and whatever. I think that's neat. I think that's something traceable and yet completely unmiss, like you're saying, completely kind of unexplainable why we are drawn what what awakens in our heart to cause us to um see truth and be drawn to him as truth you know i think it's neat i think it's something to think about a little too deep maybe for afternoon when we can yeah, Fall that's right. Asleep, Let's start right? doing stuff at three in the afternoon when <laughs> you already expressed the day beginning with "I'm tired to start with." You know? <laughs> I well, but I'm yeah okay. So you we took off on this daisy trail and I forgot where we were, but I I think I was just saying that the we see those threads and we're thankful for them, no matter how it is or what it is that's drawing us. Like you said, if if we admire someone, we see some things in them we want to be like, but God is the one who's put those things in our hearts and awakens those things as we go, right? To to shape us. Yeah, true. And that's that's what I was getting at, yeah. Is there's something that God has done in us or God has uniquely set for us that through experiences in life and influences in life are going to be shaped but still are going to be shaping resonated with. Yeah. I think God's it's going I think this and that brings it to another process as a mentor flipping it to the other side and going all the way back to the first thing. <laughs> what brings you the most joy? What's happy in the world? Cuz see those little questions matter. <laughs> um, you know, seeing life change. You know, my job, my role with the young men and women that we work with um, is to help them discover how they're uniquely crafted. So, I mean, we deal with a culture that, you know, why am I here? 
<laughs> what on earth am I here for? And most people don't have an answer to that question. They're just here as far culture, science. You know, well, you're just a mistake. You're just an evolutionary product. Well, that's you're just one who wasn't aborted. Mm-hmm. You are an, uh, yeah, you were one who happened to not be debor- aborted, mm-hmm. deported, um, or Sad deported. Um, the, uh, yeah, and, and, you know, so part of our role is to guide people to uh, better understand who they are. And we believe that Christ, that, you know, is real, that God created mankind for a purpose, mm-hmm. not to slave on his behalf, but to co um, I mean, he gave us the responsibility to steward, to steward the earth, and mm-hmm. he gave this to us as a place to love and to, to to love, to be loved, to manage, to share. I mean, it was a, it's a cohabitation, not a not a slavery imprisonment kind of thing. It's a, it's a, and that's yeah, a, a sad day that we tried to take it into our own hands because it would be a much better place to live if yeah. we hadn't. But well, true, we kind of misread <laughs> one day. Maybe. Yeah. Ancestrally speaking, we misread that. Well, we we listened to something that we the shouldn't wrong have. Voice. Yeah. And, and so, and that's true in life too. We can, you know, we're listening to the wrong voices. What are the voices you're listening to in life? And that's a mm-hmm. whole other conversation. I mean, it's not, but it is. It's kind of what we're talking about yeah. right now. How so, you know? what resonates in us, and, and what we want to be on guard against, is the things that are that are um, <laughs> speaking to the dark side versus things that are speaking to the to the truth of who we are. So, I'm not sure what else to talk about at this point in time. I think we're done. Is there anything else that we need to say in that? No. Not on that subject, I don't think. We probably used our time up anyway, right? Maybe so. I don't know. How long have we talked? We've talked for a little while. <laughs> um, well, thank you for talking to me on your birthday week. <laughs> it was fun. It was, you, had a, you had a great birthday. We got to go somewhere oh, together. Awesome. We ignored you for most of the day. Everything was scared of time. We got to do stuff. It was a lot of fun. Anyway, um, well, thanks for doing this with me today, and may your 